Lauren, are you ready? Are you are you looking forward to a dose of of bachelor drama with Paradise? Um, I think I might watch it. I've never watched it before, um, and it sounds stupid. So that's at least <laughs> a burning. It's it is a beautiful disaster. The the one thing about yeah, the one thing about Bachelor in Paradise, though, is that the editing is where the game is. Like, it is one of the most fascinating shows that they edit, like, with... They do some really, really funny interstitials that are that just would never happen in a normal season. <laughs> and even, like, their trailers, like, their newest trailer, the song in it is the most wonderful time of the year. It is so funny. <laughs> They're just, like, crying and fighting. It's just... A perfect storm of drama and escapism. As a viewer, it's great, but <laughs> you could not pay me to go to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll show like two people fighting on a beautiful beach, and then they'll like to cut to the next scene, they'll like pan to the moon and then like flash a wolf over the sky and have a howling wolf or something like that, and then fade into the like <laughs> the ocean again. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water, one podcast. I'm Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor for Water and Waste Digest. I'm Katie Johns, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And I'm Lauren Delcello, Managing Editor for Water Quality Products. And in this month's episode of Talking Underwater, we'll touch on recent news from the U.S. Water Alliance, another one water advocate just like this podcast, and that they announced a new CEO. We'll also cover progress on the U.S. Investment and Jobs Act following months of bipartisan negotiations between the Biden administration and a bipartisan group of senators. Then we'll dig into a discussion on the relationship between recent increasing extreme weather events and water. Finally, our interview this month is with Ronit Erlitsky, Director of Business Development and Innovation at AdEdge, as well as RJ Cavanaro, Director of Marketing for AdEdge. I spoke with them about small systems, package systems, and contaminants of greatest concern that they are seeing in the marketplace today. But first, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Water Alliance. Lauren, would you like to tell us a little bit about the new CEO? Absolutely. On July 29th, 2021, the U.S. Water Alliance announced that Mami Hara will be the organization's next CEO. Hara currently serves as the general manager and CEO of Seattle Public Utilities. She will continue to serve in that role until October 14th and will assume the role of CEO for the U.S. Water Alliance on October 15th. We look forward to seeing what direction and innovation Hara will bring to the U.S. Water Alliance and hope to meet her sometime. Um, on to next news. Bob, do you want to provide an update on the infrastructure bill? Yeah, so we're actually recording this shortly after the passage of uh, the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act in the U.S. Senate on August 10th of 2021. This followed months of negotiations and marks a significant turning point with bipartisan support. The vote was 69 to 30 and would directly would direct $550 billion in new federal spending toward infrastructure projects, according to the New York Times. 
However, the act still must face the U.S. House of Representatives, and in terms of that $550 billion, 55, $50 billion of it is going to water, with $15 billion of that being dedicated specifically to lead. One of the other elements I wanted to touch on for this is the Buy America language that's included in this bill. This language is similar to the American Iron and Steel Act and governs the requirements around how much of a product must be produced domestically to comply with federal regulations regarding the funding that is proposed in this bill. So essentially, when you use federal dollars, there has to be some level or degree to which the products that are purchased are domestically produced, and there's language in this bill that governs that. We're not entirely sure what that language is, but we know that it is included currently. And the only small piece I wanted to touch on is that um, this bill was geographically by partisan too, with senators from 39 states voting yes, according to PBS NewsHour, seems pretty noteworthy. That doesn't happen quite so often, so I just wanted to stress that point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Thank you, Lauren. Um, and our final uh, piece of news for this month's episode, with hurricane season and wildfire season, I just wanted to give a little update on what's going on. Um, as of August 11th, 105 large wildfires have burned 2.4 million acres across 14 states with more than 26,000 firefighters and support staff battling them, according to CNN. Um, specific fires, so as of August 11th, the Dixie Fire in California, which is named after the road it started on, covered 783 square miles and was 30% contained, according to AP News. Uh, in Oregon, they are dealing with the bootleg fire, which a local news station, KATU, is saying is 98% contained. Then we have Montana, which is actually battling 25 fires right now, which is the most um, in one state in the U.S. currently. And then this expands outside the U.S. So British Columbia is battling about 237 fires itself. Um, so the 2020 fire season was big. It was historic and it looks like 2021 is anticipated to be similar, if not a little bit worse. So we'll keep watch on that. And of course, these fires come when more than 95% of the Western U.S. is at some level of drought, uh, CNN reported. And seven states are entirely in drought, including California, Nevada, Oregon, Idaho, Utah, Montana, and North Dakota. And then the other side of the spectrum, we have hurricane season. And last week, NOAA updated its official forecasts. So there is now a 65% chance of an above average Atlantic hurricane season with a 70% probability of 15 to 21 named storms. Originally, there was a 60% chance of an above normal season. Uh, and so far, there have been six named storms, but the majority of storms do form in mid-August to mid-October. So that peak is probably going to start hitting us soon. So we'll keep us updated, but we just wanted to give a little a little update on what's going on because, of course, this is all water connected. So that's what's happening. Yeah. To add to this, too, there are our pages on both Stormwater's website, Stormwater Solutions website, and Water and Waste Digest website covering each of these things. So definitely check those out. They're updated daily with the latest headlines and news. So uh, definitely go to our sites and check those out for more info. Now on to our interview for this month. We have Ronit Erlitsky. She's the Director of Business Development and Innovation at AdEdge, as well as RJ Cavanaro, Director of Marketing for AdEdge. I talked to them about small systems, contaminants of concern, and changes that are happening in the packaged systems market. 
So yeah, I'm here with Ronit Erlitsky. She's the Director of Business Development and Innovation at AdEdge, as well as RJ Carvanaro. He's the Director of Marketing for AdEdge. We're going to be talking a little bit about these small systems trends and whatnot. Thank you guys for both being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time and being here with me. Thanks, Bob. We're happy to be here. Yeah, so let's start first kind of with common trends. What are some of the common things that you're seeing in bid specifications? I know, especially with like, you guys do a lot of package systems and you're definitely in a lot of small systems. So what what are you seeing when people are going out to bid? Are there trends that you're seeing and what people are requesting? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, some of the trends that we're seeing inside the bid specs themselves are um, the provisions for the American Iron and Steel and, and by American. Um, but then also um, from a regulatory standpoint, you know, we're seeing more and more in terms of some of these emerging contaminants. Uh, PFOS is a, obviously a hot topic right now here in the United States and elsewhere. Um, manganese is continuing to get traction um, in the United States, uh, especially after Canada lowered um, their uh, um, health standard. And, um, you know, then new and other emerging contaminants as well, like TTHMs. And then we are also seeing um, a lot of trends toward sustainability and or dealing with water scarcity issues, uh, water reuse. Um, I know, um, especially out in the West Coast where the drought stricken part of the country is under, I, I believe today, we, um, I saw some of the, uh, states out there are gonna start having mandates on water use. So uh, that's becoming a massive issue here uh, in the United States for small systems. In fact, just to interrupt you briefly, in fact, the uh, US Bureau of, of Reclamation just announced a, actually declared a water shortage at Lake Mead for the first time ever. Um, so yeah, big big issue for, for things going out West with uh, with water reuse, certainly. Sorry to cut you off. Go back <laughs> to, to what you've got. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, and, you know, we're, and we're also seeing a lot of, um, as like the aging uh, workforce is starting to retire, um, you know, a lot more um, into the integration of technology into water treatment systems, smart technologies, uh, remote monitoring, SCADA, all those, you know, great buzzwords that are all over the place these days. Um, you know, those are also getting... Um, put in a lot of these bid specs. And then from a, uh, like a socio-cultural standpoint, we're also seeing some trending toward like more minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned uh, contractors and some of these bid specs um, for uh, small systems across the United States. So, you know, that's a really positive and exciting thing to see as well. And uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned uh, the requirement to to prove experience in a relevant field. Uh, so it's not only general experience, but uh, they want to see that you actually installed systems that are similar, which is obvious, but we see more and more uh, demand to see, to visit the sites, and to be sure that you know what you're talking about. Uh, luckily for EdEdge, <laughs> we, are, we are so diverse in our offering. So we treat so many contaminants in anything from 10 gallon per minute to 15 MGD. So many, many times we're able to pull a, a, an impressive reference list for uh, our bids. 
And then another thing that we have been seeing too is um, the rise of a lot of design build projects um, where you know one company is serving as the point of contact for the entire project from the scoping, estimating, design, construction, startup, um, you know, to sometimes even um, operating. You know, they're looking some of these small systems for one company to do wear multiple hats and try to do multiple things uh, for them instead of going to different vendors for different um, portions of projects. Yeah, I've I've heard of this trend as well in talking to people um, and one of the especially from the utility perspective for them doing that approach where you have one point of contact for everything is really useful for troubleshooting when in a different type of situation you may have five four or five different manufacturers and they may all point the finger at each other when something goes wrong uh, so <laughs> having that true. yeah and it's also it's also edges philosophy for many many years we like to say that we provide, turn, provide turnkey systems. It means it's true, you, the customer, needs to prepare the, the um, contact points for the, the, our system, but when we bring it and put it on site, and all you have to do is really connect the, the water and uh, it's working. You don't need different uh, vendors to, to comply with the full process. But the point is that, uh, um, it, it, when they get the whole process together, we bring it, we maybe not do the civil work, but we will put in place the system from start to end. Definitely. And like what, what, what Bob was saying, you know, all the finger pointing that go, that a customer was seeing um, when they were uh, going to different vendors now goes on behind the scenes, not uh, in front of the customer. So right, you, you have one company managing all of that and not, not uh, and not having a customer that gets frustrated with multiple vendors, you know. Instead, we get frustrated. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it improves the customer experience. Well, that, that kind of gets to a point where we're, you're talking about this improvement of the customer experience. That's probably that that's a part of the driving force behind that. What are some driving some of these other things? So you, you talked about American Iron and Steel. That's obviously a regulation that has really impacted a lot of things kind of behind the scenes. What are some other things that are driving these trends toward like the manganese that you're talking about, arsenic, all that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I mean, um, definitely public um, awareness and perception. I mean, um, we definitely have technology available at our fingertips 24 seven. You can look something up any time of the day and say like, oh my gosh, I have arsenic in my water. What am I gonna do? Um, or, um, and so there's like that public um, awareness element of it um, that's driving some of these emerging trends. Um, and then for things like, um, you know, water reuse, you know, obviously climate change and um, you know how that's driving um, the importance of sustainability and then um, you know fingers crossed with this the infrastructure bill um, you know that is another thing that's that hasn't happened yet but you know that that has a significant chunk of change in there for water treatment in the United States and we're gonna see you know uh, a lot of these regulations and uh, the uh, 
intersection of technology and water treatment really becoming front and center um, for that. And then also the, the aging workforce is another thing, you know, um, as uh, an operator is on his way to retirement, um, you know, I hate to say it, but the younger generation is using technology in really cool, creative ways to um, um, be able to operate and troubleshoot uh, water treatment systems. Right. Um, um, just a few words about the infrastructure bill. Uh, whatever the, the 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 final format uh, it will it will have, the point is that it brings to the awareness of consumers the need to address the infrastructure. So it will be a one trillion, two trillion, half trillion. It almost doesn't matter when you build this expectation of a consumer of water or any other uh, resource. Uh, it, you bring to their awareness that it, it, they need to take some measures here. They need to, to influence the, and we also see, and Richard, if I'm wrong, but we see that uh, utilities encourage uh, engagement of the community with every new process or, or project that they offer, but it also goes the other way. The, the community will actually be involved in influencing the decision whether to install. We're just going through this now with a community in Florida where they need to decide whether they're going to uh, close the water treatment plant and purchase the water from a larger utility, or they're going to renew or improve or retrofit the existing treatment plant, and they need to, to, to get the approval of the community. So it's really great for, for really for, for the US that that people understand better the meaning of infrastructure and the meaning of clean water and the need to uh, follow the regulation. Yeah, and and definitely like to, to piggyback on that, you know, of the, for people to understand the value of water, um, I think is important. Like, you know, our water rates are in the United States are relatively very inexpensive compared to other places in the world. And um, I think that, um, utilities and through this infrastructure bill can really educate the public saying, hey, this is what you are getting from your clean water. Like you're having water that you don't have to worry about that will have X, Y, Z in it. You don't have to worry about bacteria being in your water when you turn it on tomorrow morning. Like, you know, those are important things that utilities I believe can do better in driving are that they can do better in communicating to their customers and then which will drive you know some of these changes in regulation and whatnot across the us another note on the value of water element there too is that that ties directly into the whole reuse element as well because you're talking about the value of water as a commodity at that point too of like hey we don't have necessarily unlimited of this thing we should be using it effectively <laughs> exactly right and keep it local it's important mm -hmm. so what how are some of these systems evolving you talked a little bit about the this whole everyone's trying to get these more packaged systems and having that one point of contact are there treatment things that are evolving within those systems that that you're building as well um is there any evolution of technology there yes definitely and the the focus needs 
seems to be on the idea that uh, we need to adhere to anything that is high recovery and low cost. So there are new contaminants, there are old contaminants, but uh, we try to, to bring innovation that influences the footprint, the cost, the, the delivery time, and the actual need of the customer, because you, you many times there, there is a way to address a few contaminants with a single uh, treatment uh, solution. So as a, as a company, Adage is trying to be as useful from this point of view of the high recovery and low waste. So we will recycle backwash water. We will uh, implement biological treatment for nitrate removal. Uh, in fact, I think that we're the only company in the US that has uh, four treatment system, biological treatment system for groundwater for removal of nitrate. Uh, which is very impressive. It's such a clean and environmentally friendly uh, approach that actually works. It breaks down the nitrate. Uh, recently, we added uh, high recovery RO. It's called Flow Reversal. And again, uh, inland desalination becomes more and more of interest to small uh, communities. Uh, many of them used to, we just spoke about it yesterday, right, Richard? Our communities uh, used to abandon wells because, oh, there is a little bit of TDS and, oh, there is nitrate, let's dig another well. We don't want to deal with it. So abandoning wells or blending became a, a, a treatment approach. But now uh, many communities cannot afford it because they cannot rely on a single uh, water source. And, and again, we actually have experience working with a community in Arizona that was faced with um, shut off of their surface water uh, supply uh, for uh, some uh, reasons. Uh, uh, now it is expanding because there is actually not enough water in the reservoir or in the river. You just mentioned, right? Uh, the US uh, Bureau of Reclamation that uh, declared that uh, Lake Mead is not, uh, you know, you need to watch the water that you draw from there. So anyway, the point is, that we get more and more phone calls from, from utilities that tells us, hey, uh, we have this uh, idle well, uh, uh, we think that it's uh, contaminated, uh, and then we treat it. So they have this peace of mind that, okay, as long as they can use the surface water source, it's great, but they do need an alternative source. And also, you know, population growth, expansion, more, they can draw more uh, industrial, uh, customers that buy purchase the water from them and bring more revenue to the city. There are many, many, many reasons, but truly it's mainly the drought and uh, climate change that makes groundwater uh, more and more uh, appealing as a water source, mainly thanks to the stability of their uh, quality as opposed to surface water. So uh, what else? We also uh, see that uh, any request for treatment is uh, associated with the request to pilot system. Uh, it wasn't that common in the past. And many times we, we can tell a customer, hey, we are pretty sure that it's gonna work perfectly well, uh, but they still insist on piloting. Uh, why? Because they're going to take a risk. And this risk need to be backed by a, a pilot system. With, and so, so from being a little bit uh, or from a little bit antagonizing it, because we're the experts, we know everything, sometimes, most of the times, 
we decided that we will encourage piloting. We have a whole piloting department and dedicated piloting engineers that uh, generate the plan and the report. And it's really great. We did some outstanding work with piloting, uh, for example, in Lemur, California. Uh, it's uh, really a um, um, very unique water quality, quite complex. And there, there were some traditional method or approaches to treat it, but we came in with a, a very daring uh, 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 process and we proved that it's working very well by piloting, piloted last, uh, was it 10 months, Richard? Something like this, long time. But uh, we invented a new process and uh, it's becoming a full-scale system now. So uh, piloting is truly uh, a key to get to the heart of uh, customers and put some confidence in the work that we do for them. And, and one other thing is um, the, you know, now that uh, emerging contaminants are being able to rapidly be identified, it's requiring treatment technologies to also accel accelerate in how rapidly they're brought to the market and right. to use. And we're a generally conservative, hesitant to change kind of uh, industry. So um, there's this evolution now going on that's, hey, let's innovate, let's accelerate, let's crash. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a great point, Richard. Really, uh, it's a great example would be the PFAS. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's an emerging contaminant. Everybody is really, truly, and probably rightly so concerned about PFAS in drinking water. And here we go, as a company, all the methods that are available to treat PFAS, the new one, the old ones, are based on, on technologies that added has specific uh, experience and expertise in, whether it's ion exchange or adsorption, and definitely a high recovery road to address uh, PFAS uh, as a contaminant. We're there, uh, of course, carbon, GAC. So for us, it's another contaminant with implementing technologies that we're already experts in. So we are able to approach the market with all the PFAS uh, solutions that are available in the market now. So it's really great. And it's, it's great also to see the excitement of uh, the utilities when they hear about it. Yeah. Well, you're talking about these contaminants. What are what are some of the common contaminants that, these, that small systems are looking to address so that they can remove that and make their water better? Yeah, I mean, obviously, PFAS is the hot one right now. Um, I mentioned earlier uh, manganese, and along with that, you know, its best friend, iron, is usually there. Um, we also have uh, radionuclides, uh, nitrate, and then um, you know, one how we started our company, and it's still uh, an issue across the United States is arsenic in uh, groundwater, and then. We're also finding that a lot of communities are um, looking for multiple contaminant removal as well. So it might not be one of those um, contaminants. It could be a whole collection of contaminants. And, you know, Roni brought up a, a site that we do in, have in California. You know, they had disinfection byproducts, ammonia, color issues, TOC. Arsenic. 
arsenic. And yeah. so, you know, bromide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's all of these different contaminants now that sites are looking for a single solution provider to come in and address all of these different contaminants um, in, in, a, in a single treatment uh, training or process. Yeah. So how how are you how are uh, small systems handling like rainwater and water runoff and things like that? Um, but we being a one water podcast, we kind of talk about the whole spectrum of water and where it's coming from. Are there aspects of of rainwater and water harvesting and that kind of thing that tie into this water reuse that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, this is such a terrific question for the sheer reason that we're just done uh, designing. Uh, the newest version of our rainwater harvesting containerized system. Oh. Yeah, it's so, funny. it's so funny that it's so timely. And uh, honestly, we see it more on the industrial side uh, because many of the uh, large international companies have a very stringent and clear uh, sustainability goals. And every drop of water needs to be collected, including rainwater, which is critical where you don't have enough uh, uh, rainwater, but it's also critical where you have a lot of rainwater, you want to collect it, as long as local regulation allows you to collect this water. So it's always complicated, as you may guess, but the point is that it's definitely a source of water. And we see that uh, private, uh, like uh, resident, residential uh, communities, uh, come up with the idea of collecting rainwater. But if we're looking at larger scale, uh, and I think that Richard will agree with me, um, like uh, big um, warehouses, or I think that every Costco, every Costco manager that, li that is listening to us now need to install a rainwater harvesting system. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Every Facebook, every all the data centers. Come on, water is scarce. <laughs> that goes back to the whole heart of the value of water as well. It's like this water also has value and is purpose. We can use exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, large companies have um, like sustainability goals, but it was it it maybe it was mostly PR. Uh, or had a PR aspect to it. But now when I talk with people, it's sincere intention to invest resources. They actually invest resources in being better to, to the, for the, the greater goodness, you know? It's very sincere intentionally going towards saving water, which it's admirable in my opinion, because they do invest resources. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, having gone to a couple conferences where I've ha seen people talk about this from some of those big companies, even like PepsiCo and stuff like that, have specific goals that they're trying to meet. And it's what may have started as a, wow, we can get some good press from this, has turned into a, wow, this actually might work really well to optimize our system. Right. So. And it's great that you mentioned Pepsi and, and other beverage companies. Uh, you know, they, 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 they actually generate saving from being good and save water. We installed uh, two um, systems for, with the high recovery arrow, uh, Rotex floor versal high recovery arrow. And we, first of all, we generate savings in dollar amounts annually. But in addition, we increase recovery rate from 85% to 93%, from 71% 
to 87%. It's a lot of water that is being purchased and used. And it also helped them to, increase, to add production lines in their existing plant. So it's, it's far-fetching. Definitely. And I, I think too, and you know, like, and kind of tying it back to some of the generational changes as well as, you know, people uh, in Gen Y and Z want to put dollars in companies that you, they know are doing good for the world, making the world a better place. And part of that is also environmental stewardship. And so, um, you know, uh, being able to be part of that process of helping companies um, save water or even add water back to the water cycle um, is is really empowering. Yeah. Well, thank you guys both for talking today. I feel like we could talk for a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to but I feel like we, I got to cut it here. We have we have to keep it within a realm that people will listen to us. So thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. And uh, for everyone who's listening, um, we'll have some resources in our show notes that you can reach and read a little bit more about some of the things that Adage does. So thank you. Thank you both for being on the call. We appreciate you. Thank you, Renit and RJ. That was a really insightful interview. We learned a lot about how package systems are evolving to meet demands of utilities and small systems, ab about contaminants of concern, the emerging ones, the ones that have been here for a long time, and also how to value water better, especially with water reuse and rainwater harvesting. Very, very cool. Appreciate all the time that you spent with me. Lauren, would you like to start our housekeeping of some of the things we have going on in the next month? Uh, thank you, Bob. I just have one note of housekeeping today for WQP, and that is we currently have a survey open for WQP Buyer's Guide preferences. So we invite you to please share your feedback, take this brief five question survey. It's very vital to help ensure our coverage meets your need. And survey respondents can even enter a raffle to win a WQP Yeti Tumblr. Take the survey at bit.ly slash WQPBG2021. Bob, over to you. And as we have been saying for several months now, the Scranton Gillette Communications Water Group, which includes Water and Waste Digest and Stormwater Solutions, is bringing a water pavilion to the Utility Expo September 28th to 30th at the Kentucky Expositions Exposition Center in Louisville, Kentucky. You can register for this event today at sgcwaterpavilion.com. We've got educational sessions for water, wastewater, management, stormwater, all sorts of topics, so please check out our website to see what we have on offer and register today today. Katie, what's going on with stormwater? As part of our year-long webinar series, we are hosting our next one on August 26th in partnership with IECA. We will be presenting a webinar on sediment control, and you can register for free at bit.ly slash SWS August web. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and really anywhere you can get podcasts. You can also reach us at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUW Podcast. That's all for now. Thank you so much. <laughs>